0: You and I are literally surrounded by people who need the gospel. And God has positioned each of us to proclaim his purposes and to tell them the good news because we have the greatest hope known to mankind. Next weekend, we're going to wrap up this series that we've been calling RE. We're going to focus on the recovery that God longs us to have as we celebrate the ministry of Celebrate Recovery. you know we've had Celebrate Recovery here at Edgewood for 20 years? Yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat> then the series after that, I'm going to preach a five-part, verse-by-verse series from the eighth chapter of the book of Romans. and calling that God is for you. Then on Labor Day weekend, we're going to do something we've been doing for at least five years, perhaps longer. We're calling that service Laboring in Prayer, where we'll take time during the service for focused prayer. And then on September 10th and 11th, I'll preach a message called The Promise of the Lord's Return. That's the weekend right before the Prophecy Conference, September 16th through 18th. And then after the Prophecy Conference, we're going to begin an in-depth series from the book of Genesis. We're going to go verse by verse through the first three chapters of the book of Genesis. Really looking forward to that. Today, our focus is on another re-word, reconciliation. The word reconciliation means to restore to friendship by bringing harmony between enemies. At its root, it refers to change or even exchange. In Hebrew, it means to take pleasure in. Ancient Greeks used this word to describe two people who were in previous conflict and are now at peace with one another. When reconciliation occurs between two parties, it assumes there was something wrong with the relationship in the first place. Well, let's consider our relationship with God. Isaiah 59, verse 2 says, Our sin separates us from God. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden His face from you so that He does not hear Ephesians 2, chapter 3, declares that unbelievers are actually children of wrath who are estranged from God. Perhaps you know this. This was new to me this week. It's my own fault for not paying attention. In 2016, then-Iowa Governor Terry Branstad issued a proclamation declaring the Bible as the word of God. Are you aware of that? And that the Bible should be read out loud in its entirety in all 99 counties in Iowa. Here's the proclamation and here's the beginning of it and the end of it. Whereas all scripture is essential to prepare us to be the people God wants us to be, and to accomplish the purpose for which he created us. And regular Bible reading renews the mind of men, transforming the life of the individual, which ultimately affects the lives of those in the family, the local community, the state, and the nation. Now, Governor Kim Reynolds has continued this practice, and a group of believers met today at the Scott County Courthouse for a Bible-reading marathon. They started in the book of Genesis and finished the book of Revelation. Holly, you were there. What time did you finish reading? You left before. Yeah, it's okay. I was there for an hour today. I couldn't stay the whole time either. But I think they finished maybe mid-afternoon reading the book of Revelation. This brings back memories for me In the year 1999, when all the concern and worry for Y2K was like front burner for people, we decided as a church to read the entire Bible and bring in the year 2000 at reading the Bible. We spent 90 hours reading the Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And I thought, man, in that spirit, Kenny and Holly Bailey were there. Uh, in, in that spirit, I'm going to ask us to stand. We're not going to read the whole Bible tonight, but, <laughs> but I was so moved by that. It's our privilege to read God's Word tonight. We're only going to read five verses, but oh, let me just tell you ahead of time, this is packed. This passage is packed with doctrine and with application. Before we read it, let me point out the word reconciliation, or a form of that word, is used five different times in these verses. So let's read now the Word of God. Let's read it together. We'll start in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You can have a seat. Uh, Holy Spirit, we need you to be our teacher and we don't want to skim on the surface of this deeply doxological passage. Lord, we want to understand it, and then we want to get our marching orders from it. Uh, Lord, we pray as we now understand and interpret, Lord, by your Spirit, you would apply it. Apply your word right to our hearts. And Lord, in particular, for those who are hurting tonight, those who are discouraged those who've been going astray, even those living in sin, those whose hearts are hard. Lord, you're going to take your word. You're going to fly it all over this room and those engaging online, and we're going to give you all the glory for it because ultimately it's all about you. So have your way and do it for your purposes, we pray in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. amen. Well, we could spend weeks In this one text, that's how deep it is. But for our purposes today, we're going to seek to understand reconciliation so that we see that God has called us to be reconcilers. Let me summarize the passage in a sentence. We are ministers of the message of reconciliation. This passage has a natural outline to it starts with the miracle of reconciliation, then the ministry, then the message, and then the mandate, and finally the model of reconciliation. So let's dive in and look at the miracle of reconciliation. Verse 17, therefore, this is such good news. If anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. If you've been born again through the new birth, guess what? You're a brand new person. The phrase, in Christ, indicates someone who has been saved from their sins through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The word new means new in quality, freshly made, newly created. Get this. When you are saved, you literally become someone you never were before. Think of the Apostle Paul who went from being a persecutor to a preacher. The old has passed away, which means the old life has perished. And I love, this is such good news. In the middle of this good news, Paul uses the word behold, that's designed to call attention to this fact, that can be translated this way, is look, don't miss this. You are brand new and the old is gone. If you're saved, you've been created anew and the old stuff is abolished. Jesus said it like this in John 3, verse 3. He's talking to a religious guy. And he points Nicodemus to this truth, unless one is born again he cannot see the kingdom of God. The miracle of reconciliation comes from being reborn. Now, the Bible is very clear. This is not an outward act. No, it's an inward reality. Galatians 6.15, For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. That's what counts. 1 Peter one twenty three says, Since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Friends, are you excited about that good news tonight? Yeah. yeah. Number two, the ministry of reconciliation. So those of us who've experienced the miracle, we've been given a ministry. Well, it's spelled out clearly, verse 18. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself, here it is, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I love that phrase, all this is from God. It places all the emphasis on God. God did it all for us. Our enmity between God or with God has been eliminated by God himself. I think of Jonathan Edwards' famous quote, you contribute nothing to your salvation except the sin that made it necessary. God did everything else. I provide my sin. He takes care of everything else. Would you notice how Christ reconciled us to himself? Hey, settle this. You cannot make yourself right with God on your own. It was Christ who reconciled us to himself. We can't do it because our relationship with him has been ruptured, and the Bible says that God's wrath is rightfully directed against us. So if there's going to be peace between us and God, he's the only one who can make it happen. Well, let's go a little deeper. Romans 5, 10, and 11 says, we were enemies of the Almighty. Most of us don't like to talk that way. We're like, what? And we're under his wrath before he took the initiative and reconciled us to himself. Check this out. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. (laughs) More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So here's the truth. Before we come to Christ, we are at war with God. The word enemy was often used to describe bitter military foes. It meant hated, odious, and hostile. Well, today, I was trying to think, what would that be like? Would well, it be like the U.S. and North Korea? Amazingly, Jesus now refers to us not as foes, but as Friends. Jesus said this, he said these words, he said, I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. So as recipients of reconciliation, we've now been given the ministry of reconciliation." The word gave has the idea of entrusting to or bestowing upon. God's bestowed a ministry upon us. That word ministry is the word from which we get deacon. It means service. You and I are saved to serve. And one way we serve is by being ministers of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians 3.6 says God has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. I'm thrilled that tomorrow is Chris Rogers' first day as our new youth pastor. My favorite part of last weekend is when Chris and Kyle were up here, and Chris recounted the dangerous prayer he prayed. Do, do you remember that? Well, here it is. Lord, my answer is already yes to whatever you ask me to do. Whoa. Can you pray that prayer? My answer is already yes. I'm in. Please mark your calendars, August 6th and 7th. We'll be officially installing Chris as our youth pastor. We'll have a reception for him after the Saturday night service for him and Jamie. We'll also do a reception between our two Sunday services. So with Chris on board, we have seven ministers again. Oh wait, maybe I didn't count that right. I think we have a lot more than that. You see, biblically speaking, we have over a thousand ministers and we have seven equippers. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says God gave shepherds and teachers to do what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And so we can say it like this, pastors prepare. The word equip is the same word used to describe what James and John were doing as they prepared their nets in Matthew 4.21. They're cleaning off the seaweed. They're stitching up the sections that are torn. They're untangling the nets. They're getting them ready to be used at a moment's notice. The nets were prepared for service, not to be put in storage. And so in classical Greek, the word was also used of setting a bone, putting it back into proper alignment in the body. So then pastors, equippers, are to repair what's broken, supply what's missing, so we're all strengthened to serve. So if that's what pastors do, what do the rest of us do? The rest of us serve. Look at the last phrase in verse 12, for the work of ministry. That word for can be translated as into See, we mistakenly speak of only pastors or missionaries who are in the ministry, but members who are equipped go into the ministry. Every member of the family of God is a minister of reconciliation. Every saint is a servant. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each has received a gift, use it to do what? To serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Have you ever wondered what it is that pastors do? (laughs) People often make fun of me and they say I work just one day a week. I correct them quickly, and I say I work a day and a half because we have a Saturday service. Actually, it's a pretty nice gig. You, you pay your pastors, and we get you to do all the work. But that's what Ephesians 4 says. So don't just go, well, we'll let the pastors do that. No, our job is to equip you to do that. What does this passage say we are? We are ministers of the message of reconciliation. Number three, here's the message of reconciliation. Once we receive the miracle of the new birth, we strive to live out our role as ministers of reconciliation. Verse 19 tells us we must get the message right. Here it is. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. The name for God here is emphatic. God was reconciling the world to himself. And I love that phrase, not counting their trespasses against them. That word count means to impute, to calculate, or reckon. Because of the substitutionary death of Christ on the cross, no charges are counted against us. And the wrath of God is fully satisfied, propitiated, through the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ. Our enmity with God has been eliminated. That is good news, church. Now this is clearly seen, let's go to the Old Testament, Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. For, instead of, in our place. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that you and I deserve as sinners, the chastisement that brought us peace, (laughs) reconciliation with God, and with his wounds we are healed. So he doesn't count our trespasses against us because he died for us in our place. Let me say it like this. The Father poured out on Christ the chastisement we deserve, thus making peace with us. I just want to break out in worship, don't you? He didn't have to do that. He didn't do it because we're good. He didn't do it because of anything within us. No, he poured out he poured out the chastisement, the punishment that you and I deserve on his son. And this should cause us to be forever grateful for forgiveness of sin. David was, Psalm 32, verse 2, Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity the word message is the greek word logos which in john's gospel is a clear reference to jesus so our message is not how to have your best life now our message is not how to be healthy and wealthy and happy our message is not name it and claim it you can live your dreams it's all about you no that's not our message Our message is the gospel of Jesus Christ who died in the place of sinners to bring peace to his enemies and reconciliation to those under his righteous and holy wrath. That's the gospel. And you and I have been entrusted with it. We've been entrusted with this precious message of reconciliation. Not to keep to ourselves and go, okay, thanks God, and then we just live like we want. No, This word refers to depositing, laying down, assigning. You and I are under obligation to share the message of reconciliation with those who are still at war with God and under His wrath. And if we go back to verse 14, we see it was the love of Christ which compelled the Apostle Paul to share Christ with others. He wrote these words, for the love of Christ compels us. Friends, we are ministers of the message of reconciliation. Number four, the mandate. Verse 20, we're called to passionately urge people to be reconciled to God. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ this is powerful, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So get this, we're more than messengers, we are representatives of the sovereign who sent us. Warren Wiersbe gives some helpful background information about the role of an ambassador. In the Roman Empire, there were two kinds of provinces, the senatorial and the imperial. The senatorial provinces were generally peaceful, friendly to Rome. The imperial provinces, not so much. But they were under the authority of the emperor himself, and to these provinces, the emperor sent ambassadors to govern and maintain peace. In a similar way, We have been called by our King to give a message of reconciliation to those who are in rebellion. And as ambassadors, we have the authority and the obligation to act on his behalf. We are sent with the endorsement of the King and thus are entrusted to speak on his behalf. John 17, 18, As you sent me into the world, words of Jesus, So I have sent them into the world. I appreciated the honesty of a pastor who said these words. When I was a young pastor, it used to embarrass me somewhat to make visits and confront people with the claims of Christ. And then it came to me that I was a privileged person and ambassador of the King of Kings. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. In fact, the people I visited should have been grateful that one of Christ's ambassadors came to see them. Charles Hodge, a commentator from of old, wrote these words, an ambassador is at once a messenger and a representative. He does not speak in his own name. He does not act on his own authority. What he communicates is not his own opinions or demands, but simply what he has been told. Or commissioned to say. At the same time, he's more than a mere messenger, he represents the sovereign. He speaks with authority as accredited to act in the name of his master. (laughs) I love how I love the reminder of how God is making his appeal through us. It's as though God himself were making a personal plea through Paul. You and I are simply the instruments God chooses to use. To me, that's weighty, but it also takes some pressure off, doesn't it? Because it's not all up to us. God is making his appeal to people through you. So our responsibility is to enter conversations with people and look for bridges to the gospel. The results are up to him. If someone is interested, God will make it clear. And when they're not, simply smile, say a prayer, and see who else God wants you to speak with. Let me share a couple examples. You might call these fails that I had this week. This week I was in McDonald's working on this sermon, and I noticed a guy reading the newspaper. I was seated near him, and so I kind of leaned over, looked his direction, and I said, hey, is there any good news in there, or is it all bad news? He said it was a mix of good news and bad news. Well, then he asked me a question. He said, do you like getting good news first or bad news first? I told them I liked the bad news first because when the good news comes it's really good news. Now realizing that that was a gospel opening, I said these words that's how the Bible is. It tells us the bad news that we're all in trouble because we're sinners and then we read the really good news that Jesus forgives our sins, right? He dropped his eyes, started reading the paper again, <laughs> and then he got real uncomfortable, and he left the paper in the restaurant and left. <laughs> so I thought, okay, Lord, I, I, I was faithful. I wanted to greet him. I wanted to talk with him. I entered a conversation that didn't end so well. Later this week, Beth and I celebrated our anniversary, and. Uh, I took half a day off and we went out for Thai food for lunch and then we went on a long bike ride and then we went to an Italian restaurant for dinner. When we were out for dinner, we built some bridges with the server. We ended up having a very long conversation with her, especially at the end of the meal. And as she was talking, she was sharing some things that were, that were really good, some things that she cared about. And so I simply said, I said, are you a woman of faith? And the conversa- conversation just skidded to a stop. It became immediately awkward, and she said, What do you mean? <laughs> and I said, Well, I just wondered, you care about a lot of these things that are important to care about. I just wondered, do you have a church background? She said, No. The conversation just stopped. Well, I left her a nice tip, and Gave her an invitation card. By the way, we have these invitation cards all over the building. There's a packet of five here. I just keep these in my wallet. And so I just left that in the hopes that she'll come. So, okay, so those were two examples I had this week that's like, that didn't go so well, right? Well, while these two conversations didn't appear fruitful, let me tell you what I heard this week. Because I heard four salvation stories this week. All connected to people from Edgewood living on mission. One involved a man. One involves a young mom. One involves a teenager. And another one, a woman on Friday afternoon sitting out in the fireside room who prayed to receive Christ. Christ. Let me tell you the story of the young mom. I have her permission. I'm not going to use her name, though. A woman who's been coming to Edgewood, has been hearing the gospel, was not quite ready to receive Christ. Well, it was time for her to have her baby. And so during labor, while she's having her baby, she cries out to God. And she repents from her sins and receives Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior while she's in labor and then her baby's born. And she's telling Beth this story just like days after it happened. And Beth said, you were born spiritually and then you gave physical Birth. Happy birthday. Yeah. So, the key is for each of us to be intentional when it comes to the gospel. You do know, don't you, that everyone you meet is either saved or lost? Those are the two categories. Not Republican, Democrat, not Packer fan. Well, maybe that one. (laughs) But... But we tend to categorize people with all these other categories. The Bible says you're either saved or you're lost. And if someone doesn't know Jesus, he's called you and I as ambassadors, ministers of reconciliation. Our call is to look for gospel bridges to share the life-changing message of Christ. You see, a person is either at peace with God or still at war with Him. So let's keep Colossians 4, 5, and 6 in mind so we don't miss the opportunities around us. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. That means someone who doesn't know Christ. Making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be, what? Is that possible today? Yes, we must be gracious. Seasoned with salt making someone thirsty, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So when we do have an opportunity to have a gospel conversation, we are to implore people to be reconciled to God. Implore means to urge, to beseech, to beg. The idea is to make an impassioned plea by saying something like this, be reconciled to God and do it now. You know, when you think about it, the only reason you and I are still here on earth is to urge people to be reconciled to God. We are ministers of the message of reconciliation. Number five, the model of reconciliation. Verse 21 contains a concise statement of what Christ accomplished on the cross for our reconciliation. Check this out. For our sake, He did it for us. He made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Our sins were placed on Christ, and in their place, Christ gave us his righteousness. Whoa. This is reinforced, 1 Peter 2. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Let me see if I can say it as clearly as possible. When we repent and receive Christ, we are reckoned as righteous. We could call this the great exchange. God treated the one who knew no sin as sin, so we can exchange our rottenness for his righteousness. One commentator said it well, the one who knew no sin was made sin for us that we who knew no righteousness might become the righteousness of God in him. You see, humans have been at war with God ever since Adam and Eve sinned. And beginning with the conflict between Cain and Abel, which eventually led to one brother killing the other, you have observed, haven't you, that we also get into conflict with one another. We get in these bombastic battles with people made in the image of God. As someone has said this about Christians, where two or three come together in Jesus' name, there will eventually be conflict. And so let's consider James 3.18. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I see two primary responsibilities from this verse. We need to sow peace. That means to plant by scattering. So we should just be scattering peace wherever we go. When God grows peace in us, we can plant it in others. Secondly, we must show peace. The phrase make peace literally means to do, to create, to work. Peace must be actively made because it never happens by chance. Actually, left to ourselves, we drift toward divisiveness. We drift toward, I don't like that person anymore. We drift toward, you're wrong, I'm right. You see, peace must be pursued until we have it and then guarded so we don't lose it. Psalm 34, 14 says, Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. If the root is right, the fruit will be right. If the root is wrong, the fruit will be foul. foul. Don't allow your hurts to turn into hate. You can become bitter or you can become better. The choice is up to you. Now, it's easy to talk about the importance of reconciliation, but until we put peace into practice, it's just words. Let me then give four action steps. Number one, make sure, start here, make sure you've been reconciled with God. If you've not yet put your faith in Christ, the Bible says you're an enemy of God and you're at war with Him. Ephesians 2 3. It's time to have a peace conference with the prince of peace. There's no way to have the peace of God until you know the God of peace. Number two, be reconciled with those around you. Do you need to make things right with someone you're in a fight with right now? Anyone you need to forgive? Anyone you need to ask forgiveness from? Number three, help others who are in conflict. That's messy work. But I wonder how God might want to use us to build bridges between people who are in conflict. It was Francis of Assisi who prayed, Lord, make me an instrument of your what? Where there is hatred, let me sow what? Where there is injury, pardon. pardon." Number four, urge others to be reconciled with God. Ephesians 6.15 refers to believers having their feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of, listen for it, peace. Proverbs 11.30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Whoever captures souls is wise. We have some upcoming events and regular ministries that you could utilize as a tool to help reach your family members, your neighbors, your friends. I've already mentioned some of those, Super Summer Slam, the Prophecy Conference, great event to invite someone to, weekend services, Celebrate Recovery, and Awana just around the corner. In addition, I encourage you to keep a couple Anchor for the Soul books in your car or in your office. I, I have these in my car. They're available out in the lobby. This week, I talked to a church member on the phone. He was filled with joy. You know why? Because he was with someone when God saved him. He got to witness a new birth right in front of him. And this gentleman was radically saved. And as my friend kept talking, I could see this experience was charging him up spiritually. And I remembered a verse I had memorized many years ago in another translation I'll see if I can still remember it, because I quoted it to him on the phone. It goes like this. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Did, Did you catch the so that part? I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you'll have a full understanding. So, here's what happens when we're active in sharing our faith, we end up rehearsing the gospel. We end up being reminded that we were sinners, that we still sin, that we're in need of grace, that Christ has forgiven us. We rehearse again God's mercy, his grace, and his forgiveness. And the more we share the gospel, the more we're aware of all the good things we have in Christ. But here's what happens. When we stop sharing the gospel, we get bored with the gospel. We think we deserve it somehow. We're like, well, yeah, I'm a Christian, but he's not. Look at what he's doing. Or she's not. Look at what she's doing. No, but when we're sharing the gospel, it keeps all of that fresh in our life. A recent LifeWay study revealed the following. 79% of unchurched Americans say, this might surprise you, that they don't mind when their Christian friends talk about their faith. See, a lot of us are like, oh, people don't want to hear about my faith. Eight out of ten do. Sadly, only three in ten say a Christian has ever shared with them one on one how to become a Christian. Eighty percent of those who attend church one or more times a month believe they have a personal responsibility to share their faith. Yet, less than ten percent of Christians. Share the gospel with just one person a year. Friends, it's time to change all that. Let's go back to the opening video and be reminded there are people all around us who are silently saying these words, tell me, tell me how I can have peace with God. Tell me how I can have my sins Forgiven. It's time for us to go and tell them so they can be reconciled with God. Why? Because you and I are ministers of the message of reconciliation. Are you with me? Here's how we're going to end tonight. This weekend, we're sending out 25 high school and young adults to the country of Belize. And they're going to Belize. This is our second team. Remember, we sent a first team to Belize in March. And these 10 young, there's a young man there. These 10 men went to Belize and they did construction. They built a building where the students and young adults are going to go and serve. And get this. Teach the same VBS that they're going to teach this next Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. They're going to go down and minister where these men worked. And I asked Pastor Kyle if if we could have some of the students and young adults come tonight and I'm going to ask you to come up on the platform. Hey, let's just give them a hand. They came out on a Saturday night. Yeah. I I also want to see if there's anybody in this service who went on the first Belize trip in March. Anybody in this service? If you are, I'd love for you to come up front and pray. I think think the guys will be in the service uh, tomorrow. So this team, some of you have been serving all summer. You've gone to camp. How many of you were at camp this last week? (laughs) And how many of you were at Summit? Summit. Yeah, look at it. So you guys have done a lot of things this summer, and you're giving up time this summer to go and take the gospel, the message of reconciliation to people who need to hear it. The men who were there before built some bridges with some of the people that you get to meet, and you get to minister in the building where they worked hard out in the sun as you go to share the the gospel thanks so much for coming out here on a saturday night you said no to other things to be here tonight so i'm gonna pray for them and we're gonna commission them and on behalf of them there's a bunch of others who weren't able to come tonight i'm also going to lead in prayer for those who are going to be serving at vbs this week how many of you have signed up to serve just raise your hands look at that think there's like a hundred and sixty some people no not that many uh, okay I, I guess I don't remember but there's like over a hundred right <laughs> I don't remember but there's a lot so thank you so let's pray now and, and just as a way to show that we're with them why don't you stand and let's pray for this team God we thank you for being part of a church that has students praying for revival, students who are willing to go and take the message of reconciliation to those who are still at war with you. Lord, we send them out in the mighty, matchless name of Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Jesus, thank you that you have made a way, you have paid the price Lord, as they go, Lord, we pray for unity on the team. We pray for safety with all the travel, all the connections, all the flights, for their health even as they prepare to go, Lord. We want to pray, too, for fruit. We pray that there'll be young boys and girls, men and women, who come to saving faith as a result, and this would be especially rewarding for the guys who were there building the facility where the gospel will go out now. Uh, Lord, also we pray for them as they are getting into final preparation for VBS this week. Lord, would you use them to connect with young students as they share the gospel here in our culture. Lord, thank you for all the others who raised their hand who are going to be part of that. Lord, we pray that many would come to saving faith for those boys and girls who already know you, that they would recommit to you as we celebrate life, as we celebrate (laughs) eternal life in Jesus. Lord, we commission uh, them, and Lord, what you taught us here tonight, all of us as ministers of reconciliation, use us for your purposes, for your honor and your glory. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Thank you. you. You're dismissed.